Peace, 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 everyone. Peace, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, actually, a special episode of Unsavory Politique. And my name is Jamar Jabari. I am the host of also the Jabari Vlog Podcast, which there is a new episode. By the, by the time this comes out this week, you should already have tapped in on that by a local artist uh, interview. His name is Chase Bentley of the Lobster Steak Entertainment Group. Um, please check that out. I uh, will continue. Um, like I always say, we cover music, politics, and culture here, and there's a huge emphasis on working class society um, and also solidarity. And that is what the message that we will continue to always push throughout every single aspect of being creative. Um, I like backgrounds, for instance. Let me know if this background works. Some people have given me some feedback on other backgrounds in the past. So just let me know if this background works. I, I'm thinking I'm going to rock with this right now. It looks pretty cool and stuff like that. I have a guest here um, who is I met on Twitter. We were actually put in the same group where there's a, like a whole lot of groups of journalists and activists from all over the country. And I want to give a quick shout out to everyone that's still diligent and not, you know, toting the two party system line and is able to look outside the box. There's a lot of rhetoric that we can talk about, especially when it comes to Palestine. By the time of this taping, there's a UN resolution that has been denied, right? right on the behest of a ceasefire and it was vetoed by the US shows you the power of their he of their hegemonic form which is absolutely disgusting but at the same breath you see both Joe Biden asking for a ceasefire and demanding a ceasefire maybe he's doing this so he doesn't look so bad so he can get votes we know that he clearly is still aiding and abetting in this whole situation using our tax dollars to make sure this Israeli regime continues to genocide. I have here today um, a gentleman that talks about race and class issues. Um, he's a comrade, and I want you guys to definitely hear what this brother has to say. He hails from the Philly area, but let's get him on the show without further ado. And also, don't forget, free Palestine, free Sudan, free the Congo. Peace, Musa. Peace. Free the Congos. Free the Congos. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that enough. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, is there anything that you want to say on the Congo? Um, because you're I right. Mean, it definitely does not get covered enough. <laughs> to me, I feel like, you know, what's going on in the Congos is an example of, you know, why we need, we as 
people of the diaspora need to really show support for, you know, I, I know that we're dealing with kind of like a war on two fronts. We're dealing with the, the stuff going on in Palestine. We're dealing with the stuff on in, 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 in Sudan and, you know, but I feel like the Congo is, is, is really in desperate need of support and love. Um, actually, I was going to actually put my avatar as the free Congo symbol. So that's funny. Um, <laughs> but no, it just, it, it, it needs to be talked about what's going on there is atrocity. Um, just as much as we talk about the atrocities in Palestine and Sudan, we need to talk about the atrocities and the, the, genocide that's going on in Congos. So, you know, if you don't know... Oh, sorry to cut you off. One thing that all three of these genocides that we are talking about have in common is U.S. tax dollars, U.S. interests, U.S. pulling the strings. They are all entwined in all three of these conflicts. So I really think people should keep that in mind while we have this whole craze over Putin this, Putin that, uh, Alexei has recently died, recently um, in prison. He was a white nationalist. And you see liberals just going insane, attacking Putin. Um, whatever the reason was his cause of death and his ideology as a white supremacist, it's just very, very weird to see liberals celebrating him. And especially when an American journalist died a month ago, he didn't just die, he was murdered, he was tortured in a Ukrainian prison. And there was nothing said about him unless it, you see articles saying that he was a Russian sympathizer. So we need to continue to call out this, these hypocrisies and understand that it's U.S. imperialism that is the true face Facts. of... That's the end. <laughs> That is the enemy of all enemies, you know, the imperialist American imperialism and not only just in, in American imperialism, just, I mean, I look at what's going on. You talked earlier in your intro about the, uh, the UN resolution and it's just, it's, it's, if we can charge Israel with hate crimes, I mean, war crimes, then we need to charge President Joseph R. Biden with hit with war crimes because this is literally aiding and abetting. Um right. what they say I think it was like twelve hundred some people died in 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 October seventh. Yeah, the but, the attack of October seventh that was led by Hamas. Yeah, so and it wasn't an attack. It was a liberal a liberation fight. It was a fight for freedom. I mean I tell people this all the time. I'm not you know you know, there are people who come on these podcasts and they condemn Hamas. But mm -hmm. I always say this, if you were oppressed and and you were um, you know, tortured and living in an apartheid state for 75 years, uh, I think you would be you know, fighting the fight too. Um, so that's why I always scream Antifada, Antifada, you know, long live the Antifada, because this is a resistance, this is a fight that we need to continue to fight. Um, and yes, a ceasefire is is okay, but that's not going to end oppression right. in Palestine. That is not going to end. The only thing that's going to end this entire situation is if Palestine regained 
the land that was given to them, that, that belongs to them, from the river to the sea. Yes, and I totally agree with you that with that. There is a very particular situation here in Connecticut that I would like to share um, with a South African artist by the name of Tabiza, who is also um, very, very well known throughout the city of New Haven uh, for her music and advocacy. And also she is a part of non of nonprofit work as well, too. Um, she has recently been attacked by the Daily Wire, a national right wing organization that is led by Zionists and also have been written about in the local newspapers and also on the news because she lives in a very wealthy uh, white predominant neighborhood where there is a huge Jewish um, yeah. population. Um, and unfortunately, there is a mix between progressive and understanding Jews and then there's Zionists that is in this yeah. uh, population. That's as well. what, yeah, that's what people need to understand. Like, you know, um, and I don't give progressive, uh, you know, democratic uh, political figures much, much thing. But Rash Rashida Tlaib, um, the only Palestinian, the only Palestinian congresswoman to ever serve, she said that one of the things that she said that I thought was so powerful when she on her expulsion speech was she said that no government. No government is above uh, 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 criticism. You know what I mean? And the fact that the, the, the Zionist Jews are using the Holocaust and anti-Semitism as a way to silence the resistance. They're using this, oh, well, this is the worst attack on us since the Holocaust as, as an excuse to, like, to what end? You know, but they're also clearly, not acknowledging the fact that there has been IDF soldiers that admitted that they absolutely a, a very large amount of those people that was running in that yeah. festival. They have not come not, to terms with that. They ignored. And it. if you look in the beginning, um, the numbers were higher. And as the as as the as people started to do their research, the IDF and Israel, the Israeli Zionist government started to lower the number you know it was 2000 then it was 1500 now it's down you know what i mean like it, the number of people that were actually killed keeps dwindling you know what i mean yeah. so and also th this say hypothetically on a high end high end let's say 2000 people were killed during october 7th that number of their deaths have literally they in Palestine, they have literally tripled and quadrupled those numbers. So it's like, to what end? Like, if this is about, and you talk about the hostages, a hundred hostages were freed in November. They have a, there were pictures of IDF soldiers killing three other hostages that were trying to escape. They literally shot and killed them. Yeah. So there was also you know what I mean? evidence of them showing that Hamas had to release these hostages in, in Egypt because of how hostile the IDF was acting. They didn't think that the hostages themselves were safe being yeah. released on the Israeli side, so they released them in Egypt. And one of the other things I want to say about Palestine is 
can we please stop saying like, oh, well, if there's if these people, why are these why are these Muslim countries not allowing Palestinians in? Why is Egypt? Why is Jordan? Why is Lebanon not stepping up and letting these Palestinian people in? Because they know that if they leave their country, that they are not going to be allowed entrance back into their country. It's a game. Uh yeah, sorry I had my mic mute. Um, yeah, it's yeah, a game. It, it is a game. Um, so with the so um real quick, I wanted to finish the, the business story because it actually goes into what we're talking about. Um, she is a South African who grew up in the South African apartheid, and she took the initiative to protest, um, on in her area, and when she passed by a Zionist house, this rabbi has attacked her verbally and now is saying that he is being harassed by her. And now they, she's being, she almost got doxxed. Thank God she did it. But they are coming wow. at her full force and they're trying to build a narrative that she was targeting them when she was protesting in her own neighborhood, walking in the streets of her own neighborhood. She didn't even know this guy or his family. They just came up to her. So we have this huge type of witch burning of anyone that speaks out against Israel. And it's not speaking out against Jews. It's speaking out against the Israeli Zionist state, the apartheid state itself. But exactly. They don't want to distinguish that. So they, they're just attacking people. You see Rappenport, this uh oh, I hate that guy. He's getting kicked out of... Cafes that is led by Palestinians, and he's making stupid songs saying "Free the Palestine from from Hamas." God, there are yeah, from Hamas. and there's multiple groups in Gaza. If Hamas yeah. didn't exist, there will be another act of resistance. There will be another yeah. group of resistance. It won't stop. And that's why I tell people, listen, listen, listen. If you go back to the Oslo Accord, and if you go back to, uh, you know, when, when Clinton. And Yasser Arafat and the guy, uh, the Israeli president, sat down, um, PLO, you know, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. There were other organizations that were that were there before. You know what I mean? Like you said, if Hamas didn't exist, some other organization would exist. And it's exactly. not, and like you said, we're not talking about, you know, like I said, people condemn Hamas. And understand that this is a, a fight for, you know, I, when I did, you know, I have a podcast as well. When, when we What's talked about podcast, it's the voice of the people. Voice I'll make people sure podcast. the link is below. I have your link for yeah. people to check out. Yeah. When you, when we talk about, and we went to like, a, it was like two and a half hours of, of, you know, because, you know, they say, well, October, never again, October 7th. But October 7th would have never existed if 1946 didn't exist. You know what I mean? If 1965 didn't exist. if You know what I mean? So so we can we can dance around the issue and, and only talk about one particular incident. But there have been multiple incidents. Even recently, when we had the ceasefire, Israel did not stop bombing in it right. just because of the ceasefire. So you understand what I'm saying? And they're not 
we're talking about white white phosphorus bombs, which are outlawed. We're talking about indiscriminately targeting um, hospitals, mosques, colleges. Um, you know, these are the things. These are the things that South Africa is bringing to end. Like you said, the conduct of the soldiers. If yeah. you if you want to find out the temperature of the Israeli IDF soldiers, just watch TikTok. They're always oh, yeah. there. They're they, unshamefully. They, unshamefully. They are unshamefully like making fun of the Israeli people. I mean the Palestinian people making fun of um the the I remember when they cut the water and the electricity and the food sources off, you know, they were literally IDF soldiers who were taking baths, you know, showers, dressed up in, in hijab and and you know what I mean? Like like indiscriminately making fun of the plight of Palestine. The fact that when the first bombing happened in Gaza and that there were literally people watching on the other side cheering and clapping. They do not care about it has nothing to do with you know, hostages, it has nothing to do with October 7th. This is genocide. We are literally watching it. And and Joe Biden is has blood on, has much blood on his hands as Netan Benyahu. Now let's talk about your work. Um start, first starting about your podcast. What is the conversations that are mostly led in your podcast? So we are um so Voice of the People podcast is a podcast that um we deal with a, a numerous topics of you know left uh, left politics, race and class is one of them. But we also talk about you know current current events and the state of the left. You know, what I mean, we um are socialist, you know, proud, outly proud socialist, and you know we talk about revolution. We talk about just the struggles and um, class, you know class struggles and race struggles and a lot of other struggles. Um, but the reason why we call it the voice of the people is because when we talk about a topic, we specifically look for guests that are out there that are, have are directly affected by, you know, the topic. So for example, when we did Palestine, we literally contacted a Palestinian youth who who grow, who is in Cleveland? He works with the uh, young the I think it's the Young Palestinian Movement, uh, the Palestinian Youth Movement. Right. Um, and we were able to get him on there, and he literally was able to give us the the full history, not just October seventh, the full history of the occupation. So that's what we kind of talk about. Like you know, we kind of deal with topics and we want to target guests who specifically are either affected or have first-hand knowledge of the situation that's really dope how long have you been doing this podcast so we we have not been doing it very long um i come from a journalistic uh you know background um yeah, i write have for really good editorials by the way yeah Thank you, thank you, thank you. I uh, write for, I'm a staff writer for the Burning Spear, Hands Off Yuhuru, you know what I mean? So, um, that's how, so, you know, and I've been writing for years. I've, I've been organizing for over 20 years, so uh, for almost 20 years. So, 
you know, writing and journalists has been a way and outlet that, um, you know, and, and more importantly, it's about educating because, um, you know, when dealing with these type of topics, uh, I feel that education is a very important thing that needs to be political education. You know, when I was coming up, uh, you know, my elders really instilled political education in us, you know what I mean? And um, my writing style is very simple, very, you know, it's the, they're short little articles, but the idea is to reach people who don't necessarily know all of the science, who right. don't know all of the, you know, the jargon, the socialist jargon, and being able to break down what we want. Um, for example, we just did an article I just did an article on the roles and responsibilities and the framework of the community in a socialist revolution. You know what I mean? And I did it in such a, we do it in such a, I did it in such a way where that everyday people can understand what we're talking about. And it's not just this long, lengthy editorial about uh, why we need a socialist revolution. You know what I mean? What do you say to the fellow black people that don't think that our struggle is embedded in the socialist revolution itself. They are sadly, 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 sadly mistaken. Um, for me, we built this country, right? Our blood, you, right. you know, you saying that it's not, you don't feel that our struggle is, is based on, is, is, our, is, you know, ingrained in the in the socialist struggle, just the fact that we were bought here as chattel slavery. Right. We didn't we, get we the were, immigrant luxury. Yeah, we were actually yeah, kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, we were actually kidnapped, and and we built this country. Ninety percent of the wealth of this country was built off the backs of black people. We, you know, we were the commodity that was traded and in the stockroom, you know what I mean? We were right. the commodity. That in itself is capitalism. We were built here for a capitalistic purpose. The wealth that built this country was built off of our backs and brows. Yeah. So it is it is as much ingrained as apple pie. It is just as American as apple pie, which is why I say slavery is just as American as apple pie. Just go to the prisons. Go to the prisons. 85% of us, we make up, black people make up 85% of the prison population. And we're Slavery only like, is not, what, 13% of And we're the only American 13% population. of the general population. But right. we make up 85% of the prison population. And guess what? Those workers that are in that prison, they are slave, that's slave labor. And yeah. they build the products for us to keep up with China as a commodity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all it's all it's all relative and it's all connected. Our struggle is is just as merit is just a part of the capitalist struggle as anybody. Immigration. That's another huge issue that's on the topic. Capitalism. You know what I mean? Like it all it's all relative. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I I agree. Um also when it comes to terms of materialism uh, I've, yeah. I've read uh, I've read I've read some of your articles speaking on that as well too. Can you explain to 
the the congregation i said congregation can you explain to the audience what is your what is your uh soliloquy on materialism and the importance so you know for those who do not necessarily understand what materialism is it's it's this for me it's the state of, of our society right it's the state of our thing and materialism basically deals with the fact that whatever economic state is in is our also our social state so the connection between race and materialism, I actually did an entire article on race and materialism. Um, and just to talk about the correlation, I, I didn't pull it up because, you know, I write so much. Um, yeah, you always got articles. I try to catch up, like, but it's good. I, it gives me time because I read a lot of other stuff, too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, you know, we talk about the connection between race and materialism um, and di especially dialectical materialism. Yep. So yeah, so yeah, it's that. Um, and like I said, the my key thing that I do is I try to connect mainly our kind of people mm -hmm. and the black left, and educating a lot of people who are not necessarily understanding or you know what is socialism, what is you know what is what is you know this this what, what is marxism you know what i mean like they don't have a clue so that's right. where the blog is it's kind of like a tool um i'm not like a lot of you know not even black leftists leftist period a lot of people are, they're worried about the clicks the views they're worried about you know getting their material out there the book deals you know you've had guests on here um who 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 sell books? Yeah. Um. But I'm not that guy. You know what I mean. I I I love to do what I do. I stay in my lane. I'm mostly an educator at this point. Um. I've organized with, you know, a bunch of organizations. I was a part of the 2011 Occupy movement. Um. Here in Philadelphia, I'm 35. Oh, okay. So you, you I started you got, when I was got about four years on me. Yeah, I was I was I was fifteen when I started organizing. Nice, me too. Yeah, so I've been doing it for a, a very long time. Um, and at so this tell point, tell me your experience it, about the occupied movement when you were a uh, part of it, because I I write about it. I've never I've met people around the world that was there, but I've I've never experienced it for myself. I so you said something. You said I was a uh, native New Englander. I I lived in New England for six years. Yeah. Uh, when I came back to my hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, um, so you're from Philadelphia. My bad. <laughs> yeah, born and raised. New England. <laughs> yeah, that's not New England. But no, I love New England. So when I came back to Philadelphia in 2009, um, you know, we had just experienced one of the greatest. Political, one of the greatest economic hardships. So, as a millennial, right, there are two major events we always think of in connection to millennials. One right. being 9-11, and the other mm -hmm. being 2008, the, the, the recession of 2008. So, understanding what happened in 2008. In 2008, all of the banks, all of these big banks uh, failed. You know, they could not, they were putting out these predatory mortgages and they were 
burning the books and they were, you know, cooking the books as they call it. And what happens is the whole entire economic system, banks started to close because they could not afford to pay their debts. They couldn't afford to manage. So fast forward, I'm giving this a brief history. Um, yep. So what happened was after that, when I came back to the scene in 2000, they started to give these banks bailouts, right? And I'm a college student. I got college loans. I'm working. People could not find the young people who made up who, because, you know, at that time we were mostly young people. You know what I mean? I'm at this time, I'm like 22. I'm 22. Uh, you know, barely making it, you know, living at home, trying to make ends meet. But you got billionaire bankers who were getting bailed out and taking the money that our government tax money and paying it to these bankers who were literally giving themselves raises, yep. buying yachts, yep. buying uh, expensive homes and, and going on retreats. So you had basically a group of young people. It started in Occupy New York. It started in Zuccotti Park. Shout out to all my occupiers out here who are now, we're mid-30s, you guys. That was 11, almost 12 years ago. You know, um, 13, yeah, almost 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you had a lot of young people who were there and saying like, you know, I'm a college student. I cannot afford to, to why do they get the privilege? It's the 1%, you know, um, and it, it, that was pretty much Occupy. You know what I mean? It, it was dealing a lot, a lot of times, most of it was dealing with banks and responsibilities and that our government is appeasing these 1%, these big bankers and not taking care of the people who are paying, who are paying taxes. Um, we did other things as well. Um, I was arrested a bunch Jesus. of times in Occupy a bunch. One of the first times was, um, we did an event in front of our, in, in front of our, uh, this place in Philadelphia is called the Roundhouse. It's basically the central police station. Mm -hmm. And we got arrested. It was for um Oscar Grant. It was in it was in honor of Oscar Grant. Um I think it was like his birthday. Um we had did a protest in there and we wound up, I wound up getting arrested. Um and just different things and Say what you want about Occupy, but I feel like a lot of these movements that are out now, BLM, all these other, uh, you know, organizations, you know, all these other movements would not have happened if it wasn't for the groundwork that was laid in 2011. It was you know, definitely we were, a post-revolution. It was definitely. Yeah. But I guess um, there wasn't a center. Um, no, so that was the thing. Um, as as great as Occupy was, unfortunately, it it was more of an idea, and not necessarily a. It was more of an idea and less of a a a, a movement. You understand what I'm saying? Like there was no organizing. There, was, I mean, there was no organization, and it and it, and in a way, the reason why it was done that way as one of the, you know, people who was there from, from the very beginning is right. because organizations can be bought off. 
right? If you have a, uh, if you have a, uh, uh, if you have a, if you have a, uh, a field, you know, a, a nonprofit, you know, you, you can be bought off. So the idea that it was more about people power and less about organization. Let me tell me if you agree with this. I'm reading out of a book from my uh, former. Uh, for a while, I'm still associated with them from the PSL, which is called Socialist Reconstruction, A Better Future for the United States. Um, this is what they say about the Occupy movement in the book. The spread of the Occupy movement alarmed the capitalist class. They are wanted, they wanted it to shut down. The Obama administration used the FBI fusion centers to create as an intelligent arm to combat terrorism after September 11, 2001, attacks on the World Trade Center to create a full spectrum of detailed surveillance and spying and operation against the movement. Absolutely. The government set up nationwide conference calls with federal, state, and local officials to share information and to plan in a nationwide crackdown coordinated by the Obama administration. Um, so, you know, it wasn't just you guys didn't, you know, have a full-on plan. The Obama administration was fully against this so type of idea. I'm going to tell you, establishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you some inside. I'm going to give you some inside. And some inside. Uh, and I'm, I'll cut my camera off for this part. I'm going to give you some mm -hmm. inside perspective. Um, as a person who's an occupier, who's there on from day one to the last day. We heard stories. We heard people disappeared. Um, oh, you wow. know, if you know anything about the Cleveland Three, uh, what is it, Cleveland Three? Um, how the FBI basically tried to railroad them, um, and you know, basically got this false confession idea plan to blow up a bridge in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Mm. So they literally collude. And now, like I said, so many, so many. Caleb Maupin was here in Philadelphia. He was an occupier here in Philadelphia. Look what he turned out to be. You know what I mean? And it, now he's an agent for, for the system. So you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I understand that. So not only do I feel that, that, uh, it was, it was not only deliberately, it was, it was, it was full, you know, we, what we experienced as occupiers was full on militarily assaulted. Like if you watch the videos from the occupation here in Philadelphia, the eviction, how many people were hurt? How, I mean, I can, I can, I can't count on my hands and, and, and my toes. How many people were, were maced, were brutalized, beaten, who disappeared, um, and if that, then you hear, then you get, you know, these so-called people, um, drug addicts. Oh, this was, this was, they're doing drugs. They tried everything they could to shut us down. They did everything they could to shut us down. They, you know, if they could, if, because as, as Occupy was gaining traction and people started to check out more. You can see the desperation in the city. You know, the city's response. It was, okay, they can't feed homeless people. You know, because we fed a lot of people. Mm. Not only the occupiers, but the homeless population that 
I was there. Um, repeat what you just said. We the fed them. Fell off for a second. You said you. Fed hey, can you hear me now? You said you fed the homeless population yeah. that was there, right? Yeah, I said not only did we feed the occupiers, but we also fed the homeless population there. Medical, okay. medical care that was given there at Occupy, a lot of people from bumps and bruises to like people who had full on issues, like you know what I mean, like this. Literally, we did what we at, at the Occupy in forty days did what the government refused to do. We fed, we clothed, we sheltered, and we med we we gave medical health benefits to this homeless, not only to ourselves but our homeless population. You know what I mean? And so I feel that you know the issue that I have is you know when as so our eviction happened. It happened at night, and not only did it happen, it it. You know, we knew that it was coming. Um, the excuse that they were get that they gave us was that they were trying to rebuild and rehab the area that we were in. That was a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot. They said of, all of y'all are strung out. That's what they said. Y'all yeah. are all strung out. <laughs> yeah, and we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to rehab. We're trying to fix up the area, and we don't want these occupied camps. And they lied to us. Literally, they lied to us. They told us that we can get a, a tent. We can get a permit to move our camp from, because that's how it started. We don't, we don't mind you guys being here. We don't mind you guys expressing your First Amendment. But we need you guys to get permits. Now, permits allows, allows the, the government. This is why I say we don't want reform. We want revolution, right? Right. I want to be a revolutionary. I don't want to be a reformist. You know what I mean? Because the problem is when you are bought and sold by the government, any connection you have to the government, any connection, they can use that as leverage against you. So if we would have gotten those permits, we refuse to get permits. The reason why is because we realize that if we get permits from the government, they can eventually deny whenever they're ready, they can deny and and revoke our permits. And now we're breaking the law. And that's what they needed. In order for them to defame us, in order for them to get us out of there, they had to use uh public uh, they use the court of public opinion. You know what I mean? Oh, they're doing drugs. Oh, there, there's rapes that are happening. No, P.S. By the way, none of this stuff is confirmed. Yep. We are. I work as in. I worked with some great people, and I was a part of the media working group, and we kept putting messages out there like, "This is not true." Basically, combating what they're saying. You know what I mean? Oh, they're yeah. being a nuisance. There's there's dirt and filth. They're they're making our city dirty again. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. all of this if they can get the public to turn on us, then then if they can disconnect the revolution and the revolutionaries from the people that they're trying to reach, then that right. that's that's where it's at. You know what I mean? And they yeah, did this I mean, they, I mean, yo, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, and I don't think, I think because of that, and also with the DHS, um, 
law that was put into action under Trump, yep. which was also uh, funded by the Democrats themselves. So here we are. You got the Obama administration cracking down like that. And then you also have the the, the uh, Trump administration getting this uh, DHS law passed that was also um, prompted by the Democrats. The Democrats were for it as well, too, where they could go in and you see the experiment in Portland where they went in not acknowledging who they are, not acknowledging your your charge of arrest or anything, and they just go and grab you. Um, This is all designed so a movement like Occupy that can be more one day more, even more effective, can never exist. So, yeah. And that's that's the idea. Like I said, I have friends in both New York and Cleveland and D.C., up in Occupy uh, Boston, telling they have stories of people literally being arrested by the police. Now, we had um, we have a D.A. team, which is just uh, which is a direct action team. So if you were to get arrested, hypothetically, mm-hmm. if you were at a protest and you got arrested. You would tell you as you're being arrested, you would tell them your name and your date of birth. They would write it down so that we can post bail and we can get you out. You know what I mean? Like it was that very much that self-sufficient. Um, we there would be times when you would go and try to get someone bailed out, and we we have no record of this person being arrested, and That's we would crazy. we would never. We would never hear from it, and this is not. And I'm not lying; these are literal yeah. events that have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would go out, and like the person would never be seen again. And they cover that so well, because yeah. even when during the Bush administration, there were Muslim families that disappeared. Yeah. Still to this day, no one knows their whereabouts. Yeah, and then yeah. We're, we're and not this talking is what we're dealing with. We're talking about hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, where, where did all these people go? And, yeah. and if you can talk, if they can do that to hundreds of people, um, and these were people who have communities, you know, we were looked at as the, the, the people of Occupy were looked at as, you know, we were now we were looked at as, you know, the, the, those protesters, these, the, the you know what I mean? Like, you know, most of us, like Some how they're, of them, how they're demonizing BLM right now. Yes, we were first, exactly. Right. How they're, you know, you know, but more importantly is, it was a mixed bag. So some of these people that were there, they were they be, they believed wholeheartedly in the movement, but, but Uh-oh. they had no like they were wanderers. You know, they didn't necessarily have. IDs and stuff like that and stuff like that. And we didn't necessarily know who they were. So once they got arrested and we went to go try to post bail on them, you know, it's always, it's, it's, you know, it's a mixed bag. And. Uh Oh, Oh, we have them back. Hello. Yep. I got you. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny that the district attorney of Philadelphia right now, Larry Krasner, yeah. yep. is my former attorney for a lot of the cases that I got in Occupy. Literally, we got him elected. Um, I literally wrote an article about him calling, it was called Larry Krasner Friend or Foe. Um, because Larry, when Larry, Larry 
put himself out there as a friend of the people. You know what I mean? He was a protester. I mean, he wasn't a protester, but he used his legal resources to get a lot of us out of prison and out of, out of, uh, 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 you know, criminal situations, you know, whether it was now. And now he's a part of the system, but he made a lot of promises to get there. (laughs) No, no, listen, hey, listen, I was fooled too. I was fooled by Justin Alliker, who is the current mayor of this of this uh, town right now. He marched with us during BL- BLM. We got a CRB. We made history. We got a civilian re- review board uh, established that had that had subpoena power in New Haven, the first in any state. Yeah, um, and the first in Connecticut. We did this for Emma Jones, who lost her her, her son. By East Haven Police, they shot, they riddled his body up in the nineties, uh, ninety eight, I believe, like forty something times they shot him up. So it took her twenty years plus to finally get the CRB established in New Haven. He was an ACLU lawyer, and he ran. And not yeah. only he ran, but the the mayor, who name I can't think of in Hamden, she also used that in the case of Stephanie Washington to run for mayor, and she won too. And now they're all stepping, lean for the police, basically. <laughs> yeah. So listen, they're stepping in. What we call it, stepping in fetching. They stepping in fetching. They lied so, to us. They used us, and now they. Listen, got I'm not gonna lie. Power. Listen. So everyone historically knows one of my favorite people, and I have matter of fact, I have his book right here. It's it's like my my Bible. Y'all know who okay. that is. Yep. Yep. You know who that is. Yep. My one of my heroes. Freemo Mui. Yeah. Freemo Mia. From Brick I by Brick. Wall by wall. We going free. Momia. Abu Jamal. Yep. So when 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 Larry Krasner got elected as a DA, mm-hmm. one of the things that he promised that he would do is to look into because we all know that Momia got railroaded. Yes. I mean, literally, he was completely railroaded. Yes. Not only was he failed by the his the legal system that he you know what I mean? But he was all he was failed by the people that were designed his own lawyer. Right. You know what I mean? These people that he put his faith in they they railroaded him. The judge railroaded him. So there was evidence, um, evidence that he did not that he, um, evidence that he didn't do it. That you know what I mean. Yep. So we wanted to ask. We asked. We asked. Um, you know, one of the promises that. Larry Krasner had made was about Momia's case. That yep. was one of the, the big things because we're like, finally, we get a DA who who is a, a friend of the people, loosely a friend of the people, in quotation marks. We can finally get someone fair that can actually um look into this case. And it's twenty it's twenty twenty four. He'd been elected office in 20, I think it was in, in 2015, he might have got elected. Mm-hmm. 
Nothing. He's still in office? Yeah, he's still in office. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. So nothing at all. And nothing you, you at all. You ran on a campaign promise and you couldn't deliver that. And 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 these were people who who you know because Momia is one in, in Philadelphia revolutionary history lore. Momia is one of the biggest. You know, he's one of the biggest figures here locally. Right. I mean, we had figures like the Move on the Move. You know, Pam and Ramona Africa, who are my heroes, my sheroes. We had, you know, people like, uh, you know, um, uh, Russell Maroon Schultz. I can't forget him. God rest his soul. He's another comrade who has passed on, but he was a political prisoner. So we're finally able to, and you know, some of these, you know, Mamiya got eventually, I mean, uh, Russell did eventually get out only to die. A few weeks or a few days later, after getting yeah. released from prison, um, as well as a few of the few, uh, move members who also were released and eventually passed on, but they have been in prison. Mumia is not now. They're trying to medically execute his king. They can't. Right. You know his 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 death sentence was eventually commuted to life in prison without parole. But if you look at him now medically, they're denying him certain medical aspects. So they're literally trying to, and we're still fighting this case. We're still fighting, and we're going to continue to fight because we want Momia home, right. brick by brick. You know what I mean? Like, tell, 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 tell them, you know, they bombed a black community. We yeah, actually oh, sent helicopters. Well, as a person who is a Philadelphian, I can, t and and as a nephew of a former policeman who was around during that time. Mm -hmm. So my uncle, I'm not going to say his name. He he passed on, but um, he told me a story because I asked him about it. You know, I asked him about it because one of the very first protests I ever went to is a Momia is a Momia rally. That was the very first protest I've ever went to. Wow! And one of the you know my uncle who is a police officer, um. I asked him, I said, uncle, like, you know, because it was common knowledge that, again, they bombed an entire city block. Yep. Right? Not only did they bomb it, the words, the, the fire, the deputy fire marshal, what, they could have stopped the fire. That's the thing that a lot of people don't understand that are outside of Philadelphia. They could have stopped the fire. The fire commissioner looked into a camera and said, let it burn. War and crimes. that's what happened. Literally, that's, that's, that's insane. Like, he literally looked into a camera and said, let it burn. That's um, insane. One of my favorite lines, I don't know if you know who David Banner is. Yes, Might have been is. before you. But he was a conscious, um, now he's a conscious rapper. Um, he said a line, he said, this for Tulsa, Oklahoma, this for Rosewood, this for Philly, when the cops bombed the whole hood, yep. they literally burnt down blocks. And mind you, this neighborhood was a predominantly black neighborhood in West Philadelphia. And literally the houses that, that were there, 
Yeah. Once they burned them down, they tried to rebuild these houses. They tried to rebuild them. But if the houses are never the same, I mean, we're talking about houses with big porches. Like, they were nice houses. You know what I mean? And people blame people, you know, how can I say this? Because, you know, people look at it like, well, move, they could have, they could have operated differently. You know what I mean? But this right. was not also, this was not the first encounter that move had with, um, this was not the first encounter that move has had with the police officers. Blame the victims. That's just, yeah. that's classic. The police mm -hmm. bomb a black neighborhood, burn down blocks and blocks of and blame black and they blame owners. and they blame move for it and they blame move for it. Beautiful. That, yeah. That's, that's, I that's, mean, that's, that's what you see in Palestine, right? It's, yeah, it's, I was great. Like, wow, you took the words right out of my right. mouth. I was going to say that's, that's exactly right. what you see. Hamas, free Hamas. I'm in shock right now. I, I want to share these photos so people can see. Um, I did. I knew that the police department bombed the neighborhood, but I did not know that the police department let the fire continue. I'm, I'm let it burn, baby. That they did that, and I'm rarely shocked at a lot of things. Uh, let me show these. Uh, photos real quick so people can see because when i read about it i read that it was just bombed i didn't read that they allowed the fire to continue that's, yeah that's, that's so so, so there was allegedly still not proven incinerate they said that they're allegedly what started the fire and made it bigger was the incinerate devices that move had on top of the, the bunker but that's not that has never been proven either um and also as you showed after you show these, I'm going to let you see. I'm going to tell you something else. Yeah. On a move, on a move, on a move. This is insane. Wow. Look at the, that's blocks. That's blocks. Click it. Click it. Let, let, them, let the people see. This is what they mean when this is what he means when he said. When, when, when the cops bomb the whole hood, look at that. Wow. That's an entire neighborhood. This looks like a war zone, like overseas. Yeah. Doesn't that look like Gaza? Yeah, it looks like Gaza. And if you look like, like go back up. Yep. Look at the houses now. Look at the houses then, and then look at the houses now. Keep on. That, that, right there. It's a brown house. Go back up. And, yeah, go back up. It's yeah, it's like the top picture, not the little, not the little, not um bird, the one up there. Yeah, right there. So That's these the houses. houses. These were the houses that they built for them. Wow. Now you see how the houses look, right? Yeah. And you see those houses. Yeah. Mind you, um, that other picture that's Birdie Africa. Yep, on a move. So, yeah. So wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't click that story yet. I'm going to tell you it. Okay. So after, after the bombing happened, the bodies of children, uh, remains were donated without parents' consent, without the parents' knowledge, because no most way. of the most of the members of move were either arrested or in either incarcerated, wrongly incarcerated. Or they were murdered. Wow. So a lot of the bodies that were um, of movement of move children were given 
to the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, I mean, University of Pennsylvania Museum. And, uh, and they used these remains. And only recently were we able to get those remains and give them back to the, 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 the victims. Wow. What, how long did it take to get the body? That happened in 1985. Mm. So the bombing happened in 85. So. so you're saying over 30 years it took them to bring them Yeah, over 30 years. Yeah, and we go and we do a march there yeah, every May. We do a march every Mother's Day. Uh, we they have a march. Um, Ramona Africa, who is like my hero. Um, I actually have a picture of her and me and her at an event. Um, here in Philadelphia. Um, I would love to speak to one of these people. Well, they're very. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that we can find. I'm sure that I can, uh, or that I can talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Who who knows? Because you know, at this time, a lot of them are older, and a lot of them right. are very, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I I reached out to Michael. Um, yeah, little that was little around Mike, the time right? when yeah, that was around the time when Michael had the documentary coming out. So yeah, wrong yeah. Time. yeah, 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 yeah. So I I know Mike Mike Junior Mike yeah. Africa Junior. Shout out to him and his uh his mother and his father. You know they they're revolutionaries. You know what I mean, and you know, I always you I always say that you can't say Momia without saying move because move and Momia are those events. Um, if you think about it, what made Momia literally become what made Momia a target? I mean, he was a target, of course, from the time that he was fourteen. Um, you know, he was a you know he was a Panther member. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, he was a member of the uh, Yeah, he was a member of the Philadelphia chapter of the Black Panther Party, and um, he, you know, so of course surveillance, but you know, Momia was a a a he was he's a righteous brother even now. You know what I mean? Like he's every time I ask him how's he doing, he's always in. They always tell me he's in good spirits. So you know, and that he understands that you know. We fighting. We're gonna be fighting out here, and if it takes my lifetime, your lifetime, we're gonna eventually see that he be he be released. Right. He deserves it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, how long has he been in prison for? So for, for now, it's been over. It's been about almost forty years, right? Almost, yeah, almost forty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I said this. I would never cut my hair. I'm not gonna yeah. cut my hair until he's free. Word. <laughs> As, you know, I literally I mean, I owe everything to this man. Like he's a real life hero of mine. You know what I mean? Like right. the fact that he was a writer, I was a writer, he was a part of the Philadelphia Black Journalist Association. He had a, a very powerful show on WDAS, which is a local radio station. He mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Mumia, he and his his Family, I talked to his cousin, uh, one of his nephews. Um, like he, he was a, he was just a, he's he is a dope individual and a powerful, and I think that's why he will never, they will never, they will, they would rather, they would rather burn the prison down than to let him out. 
I mean, yeah, him and Leonard Paltier, they they, yeah. just, they are just too great of individuals to be let out. Honestly, to to yeah. they, they're too powerful and too important to us. Um, that it would it would give us something. It would give the people something very very important to believe in that these guys are let free. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, for me, man, it's just man, like, like I said, I owe him everything, and you know, anyone who, who, like I tell people, you know, and I, and I don't mean to be rude, and I always tell this on, and you know, me and you are in the same group. One of the big complaints I always have with online internet commentators is that they're not revolutionary. You know, they they're online and they talk to talk. How many protests? I mean, it's more than just going to a protest. It's more than just writing a blog. It's more than having a podcast. What are you doing in your community to affect revolution? You know, right. communism, socialism is not a a theory. It's not a It's not just a science. It's actually doing the work. You know what I mean? And a lot of the issues I have is that a lot of these young communists and these young socialists and these young revolutionaries is that it's a fad for them. You know, and I look at it as like, this is not a badge of honor. This is a burden. I've lost friends. I have family members that I don't speak to. Uh, You know, I've lost jobs. I've lost opportunities, money. Right. Because I believe in this revolution. I right. believe in in, 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 in in our fight. You know what I mean? This is not a badge of honor. This is a burden. I share that and with it, you too as well, brother. There has been there has been opportunities, there has been apprenticeships, all types of things that I've been turned down from because I, I believe in, in the revolution. I believe in the working class people power society. I believe in communism. I believe that we can achieve the full. I have fully optimistic and I want this for our people. And yeah, and I and I tell you this, and I told you this that it's a sacrifice. It's not yeah. a that that they want to say, not, oh, you're going to grow up and become more right wing. Why? My, all my mentors grew up, and they are even more left. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. this yeah. is a commitment. You're you're a soldier at this point. Yeah. Not that's not, and that's the mentality that you have to have. This is not like I don't know the passion. Even talking about it. The, the level of passion that I have in my heart because I fully believe this. Like, it's not a fad. I don't, and I said this earlier, I don't do this to sell books, to, to get views, to get clicks. If it happens, cool. But m- this is why my book is only nine, it's only $10. It's only $10. Make sure you know, know what I mean? My eight, my other book is only eight nine. The ebook is only eight ninety nine, and the reason why is because, and then most of the stuff you can get online for free. And the right. reason why is because I want to make it accessible to people. I'm, but I, I mean, I'm serious because some revolutionaries they want to be famous off of, they want a revolution to be famous. They're using, and I, and I'm not saying that some of them don't. 
I'm not saying that the ones who are selling books, and it's not jealous, and it's not hate. You know what I mean? It's like, do you. But some of us are really out here in our communities fighting for our lives and fighting for our principles. This ain't a fad for me. I could have sold billions of books. I could have been working for any number of major news articles, major news networks. I choose it. I choose it because I believe in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You've had people on your show that are all about selling books and are trying to get famous. But that's not me. I'm a different breed, bro. I'm a different breed. I love what I do, and I will never stop doing it. I will be a billion years old, still out there protesting, still spreading the message of our people and our fight because the proletariat struggle, you know, and like I said, I even think back to people like Fred Hampton, QEP. They were young. You know, Fred Hampton was only in his 20s. When he died, can you imagine the life that he could have lived if he chose a different path? I tell everybody, everybody that have these conversations, that ask these questions, why are you so outspoken? Oh, by the way, we're 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 past time, but this definitely be the last thought. Um, why are you so outspoken? Are you looking for attention? Here's the thing. Martin Luther King's mother was also assassinated right after, uh, I believe it was a year after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Martin Luther King was broke. Malcolm X was broke. All of our revolutionaries, Fred Hampton was broke. Um, All of our revolutionaries before us, yes, they may have gotten some type of fame. Uh, Rosa, Rosa Parks was broke. Maybe yeah, she had accumulated the- some kind of fame, but they were they they had they, they didn't have a good ending. They 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 were persecuted. They were listen. Attacked. I tell you this. MLK was I the most. I tell you this. Uh, <laughs> he died. He was yeah, I tell you this. Hold up, hold up. I tell you this. Uh, Merle Evers. I don't know if you know who you know. His um, hello. I hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. So Megard Edwards, his wife, after her marriage to her, after her, after he had got assassinated, the just think of the life that he lived. I mean, that she had to live. You know right. what I mean? Like these people are not people who are like. I mean, they're famous to me, and they're famous, you know, to the movement. But in to the movement, but to be honest, like. Wealth was not their thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about the wealth. Yeah. So understanding that when you get into this type of work, you should not expect this. These, If, if you expect it and, and you get it, you sold yourself. That means yeah. that you are like, you're like ACO or, or Bernie Sanders or, or yeah. any other politician that, that, that try to use revolutionaries to to uh, match their, poli- their, their policies while they make all these thousands and millions of dollars. That's, that's not... Listen, um, like I said, I don't give... I don't, I don't give... Bernie, to me, is a dead horse, and I, I supported him, but I once... And, and I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to leave you from the last note. 
my grandmother told me something, and I'm going to say this about all the politicians, all these so-called famous revolutionaries, you know, your top five faves, Dr. Umar, um, and, 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 and Brother Polite and all them. <laughs> he said what? He's a black. He's a black supremacist to me. Uh, I mean, I, listen. To I each his own. Black, but at the end of the day, that in theory, what he's dishing out, if you put that into a country, you're going to be looked at as a right wing media. Like black, black capitalism is not going to save it. <laughs> yeah. no, I, and I did a whole article on um black bourgeoisie. The, right, the right. problem, yeah, I did a whole a whole thing on the, you know, and I was a Du Bois fan. When I'm telling you, when I was going to college, I loved Dr. Du Bois. Yeah, that du was Bois. my, yeah, that was my was guy, Dr. WB. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? But, again, the bourgeois is not going to save us. But what I was going to say was this. The issue that I have with them is that when you are working for the community, when you are truly passionate and 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 and, and out here working for the community, you don't do it for that. Nope. You don't do it for the same. You don't do it for you know. I never done. Yeah, you just do it because you have, and and again. Again, last note to all of the comrades that are on this that can hear me. Make sure that you are out there in the community. You are feeding your people. You are helping the people. If that's that's communism to me, yes. you know, build, building these collectives. You know, I just posted a piece about um, the the roles and responsibilities of. The roles and responsibilities are basically the framework for socialist revolution. Right. I and read I, that. I, yeah. It was a dope piece. That's why I say, like, I'll really be putting out, I had to hit you up, like, yo, I'll really be putting out, I'll really be putting fire out. And I'm not on no ego stuff. It's like, yo, like, when you think about the stuff that people write about and then you look at my writings, it really, I write my writing, because someone asked me earlier today, why, how? What is your writing process like? It is taking all of the political jargon, all of the socialist communist jargon that I know, and basically breaking it down so that my nieces and my nephews and your kids and her kids and their kids can understand and read it. Because our people, our people are not going to be able, we, you know, we have to like, be able to break it down for, and that's one thing I say. That's one thing I love about Fred, because Fred was able to. Chairman Fred Hampton was able to go and and talk to people, no matter what their educational background was, and make them understand. Right, right. Um, and you know, you know that's why they killed him. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty-one year old. Twenty-one. That's why I say, yo, can you imagine? It, even like not even not even just them, Matula, Matula Shakur, Afini, Asana, like the yeah. lives that these revolutionaries could have lived, they could have they could have <laughs> lived long, successful lives doing whatever they wanted to do. But because right. they chose a revolutionary path, this is a thankless job. This is thankless, bro. Musa. I, I love the passion, and I really thank you for taking the time out to come on. Thank you for reaching out to me. You're definitely a friend of the show. 
I would love to have you back on in the future. Maybe we can do a panel. Definitely. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, All right. Without further ado, I want everybody out there in the airwaves to please be safe and have a really good day and free Palestine, free Sudan. Free, free Palestine. Antifada, Antifada. Yep. They try to demonize that word. Don't be Yo, listen. I say it. I say it every. I say it every. Every time I post about Palestine, I always put anti-Fada, anti-Fada, because it, I go to some of these protests and they don't even have. They don't. They say free, free Palestine. They don't even say from the river to the sea anymore. They say uh, long live. They don't say anti-Fada anymore. I'm like, man, what? Anti-Fada. Right. Well, I have right, a good day, and for everybody out there, have a good day too. Be safe. And this is Unstable Politics, and we are out.